Good morning, everyone. It's good to see all of you. I remember my first half dollar I ever got. Any of you remember the first half dollar you got? Some of you? My first half dollar my grandma gave me. All day I raked the yard and played in the leaves, and we were supposed to be picking up the leaves, and then she gave me a half dollar at the end of the day for playing in the leaves. It was fun. So thankful for my grandma. Let's take one step at a time, walking in the Spirit of God, letting Him lead us and guide us every day. Before we begin into the, jump into the book of Esther, let's take a moment and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us this morning. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, dear Holy Spirit and Lord Jesus, we give thanks to you today for all that you are doing in our lives. We give thanks to you for your living word. I pray that as we open it here this morning that you would change us, that you would wash us through it, that we would learn, that we would learn more of how to take that next step, that you would guide us, that we would seek your counsel and know you day by day. Lord, I pray that we would learn from the lessons in the book of Esther. Teach us, I pray, and it's in your name I pray. Amen. Take your Bibles and turn with me to Esther chapter 2. Esther chapter 2. This morning, actually all throughout the day today, we're going to look at a particular theme, a particular topic that we find in the book of Esther. Did you know that all throughout the book of Esther there's a particular thing going on? You remember Mamukan? What was his role? He was an advisor to the king. We find out that King Ahasuerus has other advisors. Today we're going to learn about them again giving advice. As time goes by, we find out that Ahasuerus leans on Haman. That guy. Haman. And as his advisor. Then we find out that uh, Esther turns up being an advisor to the king. And then we find Mordecai as an advisor to the king. We have all kinds of advice being given. Today we're going to learn about two people who receive advice. One is King Ahasuerus. He is given some advice by his servants. And another is Hadassah. Hadassah is given advice by her cousin, Mordecai. Now, the advice are quite interesting to look at. But I wonder, as we look at Esther, as we look at Mordecai, as we look at Ahasuerus and all of his servants and all of the people that are in this great drama, I want you to think about yourself. Do you have influence? Do you use your influence for good? Who influences you? What influences you? How are you influenced? Do you realize you're influenced? And is the influence, the counsel you are receiving, good? Are you receiving the influence from God's Word, from His Holy Spirit? Are you receiving godly counsel from your friends? from the books you read, from the things that you read or watch on the internet, or anywhere for that matter? 
Who is influencing you? And how are they influencing you? So two real questions. First, how are you influencing people? And how are you being influenced? Today, we're going to look at Ahasuerus and the people who influenced him. We're going to look at Hadassah and the people who influenced her. And I believe we can learn some really good lessons from this history. And so, let's jump right into Esther chapter 2. For it says, after these things, and I don't know that I have to review it, but I will just quickly. You remember that Queen Vashti was removed from her royal estate as queen, as high queen. She was taken away because she refused to come in before the king and all of his drunken party to, for him to show off her beauty. She was removed from her royal estate for this. After this, if this is Xerxes the first or Xerxes the Great, he went off and fights in a great battle against the Greeks, comes back basically defeated, and he misses Vashti. He remembered, it tells us, after these things, when the wrath of King Ahasuerus was appeased, he remembered Vashti and what she had done and what was decreed against her. So Ahasuerus, you want to come take a seat here? Ahasuerus, the king. He's great, he's mighty, and he misses his queen. He misses Vashti. He remembered her, remembered what she had done, and remembered what was decreed against her. And what was that? That she no longer be queen. That's what's decreed against her. And so he's sad. And it tells us, then said the king's servants that ministered unto him. Oh, where are these king's servants? Elijah, are you going to go get all these king's servants up here? So I think he recruited a bunch of king's servants. So you all come on up now. King's servants and chamberlains, you're all, you're all up here with his, his majesty. And they all have some consul for the king. You guys just go on up here and gather around his, his majesty, the king. You big circle around him. Now here we're going to see some advice given. Here's the king. He's the greatest. He's the most powerful and these are all of his servants, chamberlains, advisors to the king. He misses Vashti. Now, do you guys have any ideas for his majesty, the king? See, even though he's the king, he's sad. He misses Vashti. Now, remember, these are the same servants who recommended that he get rid of Vashti. Now, do you think the king will listen to the people who did what he's now sad about? Hmm? Now, do you think that these guys are going to help get Vashti back in, considering the fact that they're the ones that helped get her out? Hmm. What will these, what will these men do? What will they advise the king in? Any of you have any ideas? Any of you have any ideas? Find him another wife better than Vashti. Oh my. That's his advice. Any of you guys have other advice? Tell me, if you were one of these, what advice would you give to His Majesty the King? 
Think about it for a moment. I mean, some of you sit back and you say, well, thank goodness I'm not there. I wouldn't be there. Really? What if you were Daniel? If Daniel were in this court, if Daniel were one of these advisors to the king, what might Daniel advise the king? Any ideas? Oh, that's good. Think they're going to give that advice? Humble yourself and go apologize to your queen. But I'm going to be a devil's advocate. Can I, can I be a devil's advocate? The law of the Medes and Persians cannot be changed. And the decree has been issued against Vashti. So it can't be changed. So let's for a moment just take that into consideration. I think he can still humble himself and go apologize to, to Queen Vashti. But can she become the high queen again? According to the laws of the Medes and the Persians, she really can't. So what's the, what's the dilemma now here? Poor King Ahasuerus is in. What advice, what advice might we give this king? Now some of you are like, boy, I'm not advisor to the king. But for a moment, let's think about some things. Can you guys think with me? Have you ever heard of children advising kings or powerful people? Have you ever heard of any children? Who are you thinking of? Daniel. Daniel, yeah. Daniel was probably a teenager advising the king. Any others? Advising really powerful, great people. Just children. Can you think of anybody? Jesus. Oh, Jesus. That's a good one. Jesus was seating at 12 years old. That's your age, right? In the temple with the learned men speaking of the things of God. Yes. Saul's nephew. Refresh my memory. Yes, I was thinking of the Old Testament Saul, and that's like, I can't think of a nephew there. But yes, the New Testament Saul's nephew who came and, and came and brought news and influence and brought about really good influence. Yeah, anybody else? Joseph. Yes, Joseph was young, and he was influencing a king. Hope? Samuel. Well, that's interesting. He was influencing Eli, who was the high priest. Why are we finding lots of children influencing the king, aren't we? And powerful people. Anyone else? Yes. The Hebrew maid with Naaman. You guys remember her, right? Just a little child. She said, oh, if only my Lord would go to the prophet that's in Israel, he would be healed. The little Hebrew maid with Naaman. Anyone else? The, th the three Hebrew children. Wow, did they ever influence the king who threatened to throw them into the burning fiery furnace if they wouldn't worship his golden idol. They were actually referred to as the Hebrew children. They were probably teenagers. Can we think of anyone else? So let me give you an idea, guys. Don't ever think that you're just a child and have no influence. You know there were probably children your age who may have been chamberlains. See, there were princes, and they were probably older. But the chamberlains are the people who help take care of the dishes and cleaning the bedroom and dusting the furniture and um, taking out the uh, chamber pot. Do you guys know what that is? <laughs> that was actually probably the job that was given to the children this age. Yeah, that's gross. Do you think that maybe they could have influence on the king? I think so. In fact, actually, probably that 12-year-old who has to come in and empty the chamber pot 
Well, if he's a good king, he's going to respect that chamberlain. If he's doing his job cheerfully, heartily, as unto the Lord, there's no job too menial for the servant of God. And in fact, when we do the menial jobs with a cheerful spirit, other people notice, and actually they give us respect. So you know what? Children can have influence. Well, I doubt that it was children who actually advised the king. It says it was his servants. Do you all see the advice? This is the advice that was given to him. We don't know if this is the only advice, but here it is. Can I play the part of you? Or actually, can, can you tell us about the advice that was given to you? Just, just read there what servants have said to you. kingdom, that they may gather together all the fair young virgins unto Shushan the palace, to the house of the women, into the custody of Hedge the king's chamberlain, keeper of the women, and let their things be for purification be given them, and let the maiden which pleases the king be queen instead of Vashti. How many of you think this is a good idea? Raise your hand. Oh my, you think this is a good idea? I thank you for raising your hand. I'll get you in on a secret. It's not a good idea. Now, she likes the idea because she knows this is the way Esther's going to get into the palace. Is that why you like the idea? Yeah, that's what she says. She likes the idea. But let me... You know, we often think of Esther, and we love the story of Esther, but Esther's really a really tragic story in some regards. This advice to the king is terrible! And I think the servants know it. By the way, it's nothing new. This is the kind of thing that's happened for thousands of years. Long before King Ahasuerus, this kind of stuff was going on. That's the reason why in the law of Moses, God said, your kingdom is going to be different. The kingdom of Israel is going to be different. Your kings are going to copy out their own copy of the law. They're going to know me. They're going to know my laws. And your kingdom are going to be different because you're not going to multiply to yourselves wives. But guess what? Even though that's what God said, even in Israel they did it. And you know what? It wasn't just in Israel. It was in all the kingdoms, and now it's in this kingdom. He already has a harem. Did you notice here there's the, the house of the women? He already has a bunch of women in his collection. It repulses us to think about this. But that's what was the case in this kingdom. And even in more modern times, it still happens in kingdoms in different parts of the world. Is it a good idea? No, it's not a good idea. But it tells us that the thing pleased the king. Yes, this thing pleases me. And I command that all the fair young virgins be gathered together unto Shushan the palace. And so the plan is made. The fair young virgins be gathered together, and so the officers are appointed. Officers, officers, come. They're appointed to gather up all the fair young virgins. How many of you guys are looking forward to these guys coming to your house? I see you laughing. That doesn't sound like very fun. You, I don't know, is this, huh? They come to your home now. I wonder what happened here. Some people ask the question, was this voluntary or was this compulsory? 
I don't think it was voluntary. I think it was compulsory. But um, what kind of things maybe happened? Well, they go out. Go gather them. Let's see. Wait a minute, wait a minute. In the name of King Ahasuerus of Persia, we're taking your oh, daughter. No, you're not. Yes, we are. Over my dead body, you are. <laughs> oh! Don't worry, I'm still alive. Oh, now you're all laughing because you know it's all acting. But imagine you were, you were there in that kingdom. Dads, just for a moment, imagine. What would you do if guys like this showed up at your door? What would you do? I imagine that some went peaceably, not to cause trouble. I imagine that some fled. In fact, I called up one person last night and said, hey, you want to help me? And guess what? She said, I'll be the one to flee. She's not in here. <laughs> I imagine some fought. I imagine some were complacent, a little different than peaceably. And I imagine some were honored. You think, oh, well, why? Because again, this thing wasn't normal. I mean, let me change that. This was normal. <laughs> some may have been honored because they had a chance to be the high queen of the most powerful empire in the world. In fact, just a few hundred years ago, in the empire of China, there was a king very similar to this who did a very similar thing, issued a very similar decree. And the dad showed up at the front door with their daughters all dressed up, bejeweled, and presented them as a great honor to the officers of the Chinese emperor, hoping that maybe their daughter might be chosen. <laughs> it's unthinkable to us, but imagine... What would you do? Now, guys, listen, we think of this and we're like, well, we live in America and we don't got weirdos like that here. Praise God. And in different parts of the world, that's true still. But you know, <clears throat> there's no guarantee of any of this. How many of you know the story of George Evans? Any of you know this story? I know Ethan does. Any of the rest of you know the story? This is a great book to read if you haven't read it. This is a great read-aloud book, family read-aloud book. The Gospel and Bonds, which tells the story of George Evans. He was a Baptist preacher in Soviet Russia. The story is Gospel and Bonds because he was arrested for preaching the gospel. And he was carried away a prisoner. And this is the story of how he shared the gospel in prison and how God glorified his word while he was a prisoner. But you know what? He had a family. He had a family. And there's another great book. 
It's called Children of the Storm, which is written by his daughter, Natasha Vince. Another great read aloud book. I'll tell you though, read this one first and then this one because this one makes more, a, lot, a lot more sense when you know both stories. This tells her story as a child when her father was carried away a prisoner. What advice would you live by if your mom and dad were ripped out of your life? Would you stay true to God? Would Hadassah, would she stay true to God? Being pulled out of her home and carried away to the king's harem. Would Natasha Vince? I cried through this book. Because I imagined her father in prison, knowing what his daughter was going through. She tells stories that in Soviet Russia she was pulled away into the schools, and she had teachers who would bring her up in front of the classroom and mock her for being a Christian. And she stood strong in spite of the mockery. She was ridiculed by teachers and friends alike because her father was a preacher, a Christian. But she also tells the story of how when she came into the seventh grade, she experienced the greatest problem because she had a teacher who was friendly, who was kind, who cared about her. And as the relationship grew, in kindness, she continued to give little doubts, little questions of the existence of God, of doubt in what she had been taught as a child. Praise God, she came through it, remembering the word of God she had been taught as a child. She spoke of the fact that many times the words of her father, now being ripped out of her life, had taught her as a little child. And so I plead with all of you boys and all of you girls, know God and know his word. And I plead with all you moms and dads, this is the reason I cried through the story, teach your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord so that no matter what may happen or come, they have the truth sown in their heart and pray that it brings forth fruit. Sow the seed, teach them, so that no matter what happens, they will stand true for God. Now you might be thinking, wow, these are some pretty extreme cases, Pastor. Why, we're talking about uh, ancient Persia with Hadassah, and we're talking about so Soviet Russia. They don't even exist anymore, or do they? But how about more recent? How about someone a little closer to home? Do you remember a few years ago, there was a Chinese family from China who had come here and attended every week for almost two years, used to sit right back there, right near where my mom is sitting? While they, were, they came with a little boy, and while they were here, they had a little girl. I'm not going to use their name. You know why? Because when he went back to China with his family, his wife and two children, he actually spent several months in hiding. And he also spent several months where we don't know where, and he won't talk about it. And his family was left alone for those times. 
Again, you might be thinking, oh, well, that's China. That's not America. You're right. We're talking about ancient Persia. We're talking about ancient Soviet Russia. Some of you think that's ancient. And we're talking about the faraway China. Don't sit back and think that all is well. Take heed. Be alert. Be alert. And regardless of what comes, be wise counselors. With that, I wonder if you'll appreciate the counsel that, that uh, Mordecai gave to young Hadassah. All, all you counselors, you guys can go back to your seats. Thank you. Thank you for your help. And we're going to go through here some other things, for we now find that in Shushan the palace there was a certain Jew, verse 5 of chapter 2, named Mordecai. We've already met him, talked about him last week, didn't we? The son of Jair, the son of Shimei. You can go back too, thank you. Who had been carried away from Jerusalem with the captivity which had been carried away with Goniah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away. And he brought up Hadassah, that is Esther, his uncle's daughter, for she had neither father nor mother, and the maid was fair and beautiful. When Mordecai, her father and mother, were dead, Mordecai took her for his own daughter. You know the story, don't you? Hadassah was among some of those women captured. Now, let me give you a clue, little all of, all of you. How many of you want to be beautiful? Oh, good. Some people are honest. We all want to be, right? Well, in this day, it was a serious liability to be beautiful. Esther was beautiful. And so it came to pass when the king's commandment and his decree was heard, and when many maidens were gathered unto Sushan the palace to the custody of Hegai, that Esther was brought also into the king's house to the custody of Hegai, keeper of the women. Hadassah, now going by Esther, her Persian name, was among those women. How she was taken is not recorded. What was taking place in that, we do not know. All we know is that she was captured. She was brought into the custody of the women. And it tells us there that the one who was there to keep them and to take care of them, it says that she pleased him. This is interesting to me. Some people have struggled with Esther and thought, oh, she should have struggled and fought to the death. Sometimes I think that. And sometimes I think, no, she at this point, at this point, had no choice. And the best part for her was to do what she could in this terrible place. And I do think that is a lesson for us. We don't purposely be disagreeable. There's no reason for us not to please people as long as we're first and foremost pleasing God tells us that she obtained kindness of him. Oh, how hard of a job this must have been for him, for her. He speedily gave her the things for purification, which such things as belonged to her. He gave her things so that she could continue in her beauty. You know, unlimited access to Bath and Body Works. I don't even know if Bath and Body Works exist anymore. I don't know. 
But all that kind of stuff, he speedily gave her those things for her purification. And it says that he also gave her seven maidens. I wonder, were these seven maidens the ugly ones? Were they ones who were rejected? I don't know. But here now she is, and she has seven maidens, which were meat, ideal to be given to her out of the king's house. And this keeper of the woman, he preferred her and her maids unto the best place of the house of the women. Esther is finding favor. Many people believe, and I think it's true for us to consider, that God is working behind the scenes to show her favor in this terrible place. And look with me at verse 10. It tells us that Esther had not showed her people nor her kindred. Well, who were her people and who were her kindred? Who, who knows? Can you raise your hand? Who knows? Who knows? Oh, good, good. Some of you know. Can you tell us who? Her people were the Jews. See, back in verse 5, it tells us there was a certain Jew named Mordecai. And here, Esther had not shown her people nor her kindred. She no longer went by the Jewish Hebrew name Hadassah. She went by the Persian name Esther. In fact, she purposely hid her identity. Why? For Mordecai had charged her. He charged her, given her the instruction, even command, to not show her people, nor her kindred. We get the impression that this was the last consul that Mordecai gave her. You know, sometimes we evaluate things, and sometimes it's hard to evaluate things. And we have to be careful because sometimes we can misjudge things because we don't have all of the facts. But I'll be transparent with you. I kind of struggle with these last words of counsel. You know why? At least from a New Testament perspective, a Christian perspective. perspective. In Romans 1.16, do you know that verse? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes. Even from an Old Testament perspective, The Psalms say, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Declare it. Contrasting her to Daniel in a similar situation. Daniel was prominent because he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meats. Very specifically, something very Jewish and following the Hebrew Mosaic law. Now, could Esther continue to keep the law of Moses, and hide her identity? I don't know. But if she couldn't, I would struggle with this consul of Mordecai. But then at the same time, I don't struggle with it because he knew that if she did reveal it, she was dead, or maybe dead. You see the struggle? Here's the reason why I challenge this and I bring this up, though. Why do I bring this up? because I want us to come fast forward to 2023 where we're at right now. Dads, moms, what are you teaching your daughters and your sons day by day? What are you teaching them when they rise up, when they walk in the way, when they sit, and when they lie down? What are you teaching them? What are the last words your children would remember 
if you were taken and imprisoned, such as George Evans? What would your children remember of your consul if they were pulled from your home and were isolated in a godless place? You know, I don't think it would just be the last words. I don't think Mordecai I shouted to her, Esther, don't tell him you're a Jew while she's being drugged away. That would have defeated the purpose, right? What do we teach day by day? I pray that we teach them to be bold for God. To be bold for God. But wise, wise. Be very wise. There's some question as to whether or not this was wisdom or selfishness. I won't judge it. I don't have enough information to do it. But I do know that Mordecai cared for her. Because here she is being kept. Nobody sees her. Nobody knows where she's at. You were playing Mordecai. You come on up here. You know what Mordecai did? Day by day, he had a particular thing he did. Let's just imagine over here is the house of the women. This old place over here. You know what Mordecai would do every day? He would purposely take his route so that he would come by that house of the women hoping he could see something, learn something about his cousin Hadassah. I wonder what you learned. I wonder if he ever actually got to talk to her through the window or through the gate or if maybe they met by the door. I don't know. But Mordecai still cared about her, for it tells us that he walked every day before the court of the women's house to know how Esther did and what should become of her. Again, place yourself in his shoes. Imagine you're in this place. Imagine, imagine your Raya was taken. Oh, my. You go by the first day, you don't see her. The second day, you don't see her. How long, when, how often he saw her? I don't know. Could you imagine what heart what that would do. Mordecai still loved Tadassa. He still cared to know how she did. Thank you. So what did become of her? Well, she did find favor. She pleased the keeper of the women. And it tells us in verse 12, now when every maid's turn was to come to King Ahasuerus, after that she had been 12 months according to the manner of women, for so were the days of their purifications accomplished, to wit, six months of oil of myrrh and six months of sweet odors, and with other things for the purifying of the women. Oh my, six months plus six months of beauty treatments. Would you like that, Nathan? No. no. Oh, should I maybe ask your sisters, would you like that? Maybe, probably. Yeah. So apparently things are not too bad. But boy, I don't think it is. I, it's still pretty bad. <laughs> Believe me, it doesn't make up for the bad. This part is good. And so this is what takes place. It's 12 months of beauty treatments. And tells us in verse 13. Then thus came every maiden unto the king. Whatsoever she desired was given to go with her out of the house of the women unto the king's house. In the evening she went, and on the morrow she returned into the second house of the women. You see, there were two houses, if you might imagine. On one side, there was the house of the women who were the virgins. And then there was a second house, the house of the concubines. They would come from this. They could take whatever they wanted. 
They would come to the king, and on the morrow, they would go to the other house. And these women, into verse 14, came in unto the king no more, except the king delighted in her, and that she were called by name. Oh, how sad. A life of nameless loneliness. You see, why I say sometimes when we think of Esther as this wonderful, beautiful story, it's really ugly. A life of nameless loneliness. When I think of that, do you know what I think of? The fact that if you're a child of God, he knows your name. And every day he's calling for you. Every day he's knocking on your heart, desiring to come in and to sup with you, to have fellowship with you, to have a relationship with you. You see the monstrous, sorry, Ethan, Ahasuerus, and yet look and consider the privilege we have accepted in the beloved the love of God. Ahasuerus forgot all their names, I imagine. Perhaps this is the reason why Hadassah dropped Hadassah and switched to Esther, so we could remember her name. From verse 15, it says, Now in the turn of Esther, the daughter of Baihael, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her for his daughter, was come to go in unto the king. She required nothing but what he, Guy, the king's chamberlain, the keeper of the women, appointed. This is interesting because they could come and leave and take whatever they wanted. It's implied that they could take the jewels and the ointments. They could take whatever they wanted to go to the king, and it was theirs to keep for the rest of their days. And Esther shows a wisdom here, I believe, a wisdom, where she depended upon the consul. Here again, we see the idea of consul coming up. The consul of the keeper of the women and only took that which he selected, appointed for her. For it tells us that Esther obtained favor in the sight of all them that looked upon her. She found favor of all them that looked upon her. Now, I want to give you a clue, girls, boys. When people look at you, do they see how beautiful you are? Maybe. But do they see how beautiful you are on the inside? It doesn't tell us whether they saw her beauty on the outside and the inside, but do they see beauty on both the outside and the inside? Because you know there's some Proverbs that talk about beautiful women <laughs> that are like pigs on the inside. <laughs> yeah, beautiful women, but you're really like pigs on the inside. You see, God wants you to be beautiful on the inside. And he's the only one who can make you beautiful on the inside when you trust in him and receive the righteousness of Christ. And it doesn't really matter what happens on the outside. 
You'll read stories all over from the Arab world of beautiful young women who have come to trust in Jesus. They believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and their sins are washed away and on the inside they are clothed in the robes and righteousness of Jesus. They become gloriously beautiful on the inside. And as they begin to talk about Jesus and what Jesus did to them, do you know what happens almost on a daily basis in the Arab world? Their fathers or their husbands or their brothers pour acid on them, robbing them of any form of outward beauty. And the testimony comes back of some of the most ugly girls who have been tortured by acid being some of the most beautiful women because they know what true beauty is. Do we have true beauty on the inside? When people see us and look upon us as we see here, do we obtain favor in their sight? Not simply because of how we look on the outside, but how we look on the inside. It's so very important that we are beautiful, both boys and girls, on the inside first. So it tells us that Esther, verse 16, was taken unto King Ahasuerus into his house royal in the tenth month, which is the month Tebeth, in the seventh year of his reign. This is December or January, just about this time of year. If this is Xerxes the first, it's in the year 479 or 478 B.C. And verse 17 tells us that the king loved Esther above all the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Ashtai. Then the king made a great feast. I don't think that's advisable, king. He does that a little too much. He makes a great feast, made release to all the provinces, and gave gifts according to the state of the king. Apparently, he gave a special tax exempt or, you know, what do they call that when the president does things to the tax code? Yet, that's kind of what he did. Celebrated that he has a new queen. Look at those there, verse 17. It says, and the king loved Esther. I don't know what I think of that. How about you? You know why? Thank you, Ethan, for playing Ahasuerus. I don't like Ahasuerus. Because here it says in verse 17 that he loved Esther. Look at verse 19. And when the virgins were gathered together the second time, what's this? Apparently, he decided to go through all the rest of them. I don't know. Did he love her? The narrator says it. Narrator is the Holy Spirit, right? Did he love her? Let me give you this. Husbands, our world has a lot of definitions of love. This is Valentine's week. We can celebrate Ahasuerus' love. Right? I don't recommend that you follow his kind of love. Don't recommend it. I'll be honest, though, with you. 
Most of the world follows his kind of love. And they call it love. Let me tell you who's love to follow. Jesus' love. Jesus' love. Jesus is the one who gave himself for his bride. Jesus is the one who truly loves his bride. In fact, let me give you a clue. Husbands, you're commanded to love your wives even as Christ loves the church, his bride. The church is the body of Christ, the people. You're commanded to love. On this Valentine's Day, I'm going to give you a little hint. You can't do it. It's impossible. You, that's the key word, by the way, can't do it. Now, you might be sitting there, some of you are looking at me like, Pastor, what are you saying? Well, you know what? The key word in that phrase is you can't do it. For you, it's impossible. Do you know why? I think all of us, many of us learned a verse when we were way about this, this tall, right? Some of you didn't have, may not even know it yet. It's this verse. God is love. The very definition of love is not a Ahasuerus. The very definition of love is God. And if you're going to obey the command to love your wife as Christ loves the church, then you're going to have to be filled with the Spirit. For the fruit of the Spirit is first what? The fruit of the Spirit is love. 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 So you can love your wife as you are filled with the Spirit of God. So as we think of Valentine's Day, let's think of the love that Christ has for us and let us love our wives and let's just consider all of our relationships of who we love and love in the Spirit by being filled with the Spirit, by allowing Jesus to fill us so that we can truly love. So we can learn some good lessons from Ahasuerus on how not to love. And we can learn some wonderful lessons from the Lord Jesus on how to love. Perhaps. Perhaps. The question is, is there, did God orchestrate events that protected Esther from being defiled? Perhaps. Um, we don't know. I, I would submit to you that people a lot of times focus in on this, on, on that side of things, but I, I'll be kind of candid. I suspect my thought is, is that what actually caught the king's attention was not necessarily her physical beauty because he had access to all the physical beauty. He had access to every perversion he wanted. He was the almighty king. And so he, all of that, you know, whatever. And I, I do th think that there was probably more so of something on the inside that caught his attention about her. And so there is a possibility of that. 
great question. Any other questions? Thoughts? Well, let us go forward, loving, loving, with the Spirit enabling us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the righteousness that you have given to us. May we walk in your Spirit one step at a time for your glory. May we seek wise counsel. May we understand what is wise and what is foolish. And may we follow most of all what you have commanded. We need you. We submit ourselves to you as we pray in your name. Amen.